0: Stefan Kohler. Nice Uh, to meet you Stefan.
1: Wait a minute and you worked at Kohler but those are um
0: I don't I don't think I don't I don't know if there's a relation are you related to the Kohler family? Not
1: really.
0: Not really okay. (laughs)
2: Not that I know off. You know who Kohler is. Oh yeah I used to live in Wisconsin.
0: Sure yeah I heard that from the description Dave shared earlier um yeah, certainly uh, one of the largest private businesses in the country with a the, the rich history. But um, uh, yeah, I, I would expect anyone living in Wisconsin with the name would be related somehow.
1: So who are you, by the way? What's your name?
0: Oh, yeah, sure. So, Stefan, uh, my name is Jeff Champagne. It's a pleasure to meet you and uh, look forward to and, and appreciate you having uh, a conversation with David and I.
1: Yeah, and so I'm Thanks Dave. Paus- me. Yeah, and I'm Dave Pausner. But we'll we'll put links on the. Uh, we're going to put our. We're, we'll be short on introductions, but we'll put our. Uh, you're on LinkedIn and you're on LinkedIn, and I'm sure, on of course. LinkedIn. We'll put Always. in the show notes. So if anybody, if we actually don't throw this recording away, which which is a real possibility. <laughs> it's a it's a possibility. But if we and we post it, then people, if we if we make an impression, good or bad, um, That's people right. will know where to
0: look. So. Okay, oh, you're, you're, in it, it. you're in. it now, Stefan. So uh, appreciate you joining us. Um, so this is this is our initial podcast of innovation blab. We're calling it, and I uh, think <laughs> it's 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 going to be a fun and carefree kind of conversation around what it takes to innovate, what what is innovation, and um, you know what what are the steps? How do you do it? Who are the experts? Uh, you know, where did you learn it? All that good stuff. But um, well,
1: in point of fact, we'll cover what we actually cover. But that sounds like that—that's ambitious. But if we can pull that off, but
0: not not so, bad, right?
1: You know what? I didn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, you can see me here. Um, we didn't tell you what Stefan did. We tell we we did we did say he was not with Kohler the plumbing. Company. Sure. Um, fame, but you're at university of michigan
2: i'm with the university of michigan excellent innovation partnerships i help commercialize
1: technologies in the biomedical space very cool okay you tell us about about the game he watched the game oh cool with washington the other day can you tell us about it yeah it was huge
0: historical He, he was in a bar a big, big deal for the men up north, as uh, as as my friends at the Ohio State University like to call them. It must be pretty jealous these days. I, I, bet, I bet they are. I bet they are. Did you go to OSU? No, no. I have I have a friend who went to OSU, and I'll tell you a funny story. Um, but I'm I'm curious. What was your impression of the game uh, once it was all said and done, Stefan?
2: Seems like um, Michigan. Controlled the game. He started out strong, and I, f- I felt like they maintained control. So it was very impressive.
1: Did um <laughs> did the coach like call you up during the game for for advice? Harbaugh
2: is is pretty impressive what he's done in Michigan.
1: Yeah. Now he was a former uh, quarterback there, was he
2: not? He grew up in Ann Arbor. I didn't know that.
1: So I just I grew up in Ann Arbor. That doesn't okay, so I did minute. you really? Yeah, I did. But um uh, understanding he went to high school and all But do you mean he was not a I thought he was a um uh, I thought he was a um I, I thought he was a quarterback under Schandeckler. Was he not? Am I wrong? Do you know Jeff? No, I'm not
0: I'm not familiar with his history.
1: Okay. All right. Well anyway, so you're I really, feel
2: like I should know more since I worked for the University of Michigan, <laughs> but uh <laughs>
1: You might get, you might lose your job after this. Uh, hey. Might not. It actually, might be because he's on this podcast. But um, so Jeff had asked you. What, so maybe, maybe I asked you. So what do you do? What does your office do at the University of Michigan, and does it have anything to do with innovation? So we spearhead
2: uh, the innovation engine of the University of Michigan, which is a huge innovation engine. My office is Innovation Partnerships. We used to be known as Technology Transfer.
1: What's the difference?
2: So, we help commercialize technologies. We have three groups in our office. I'm in the licensing group. My title is Director of Therapeutics Licensing. Okay. Also, I have a venture group that focuses on helping start startups. Okay. The corporate research alliances
1: group that helps build alliances with industry and bring in sponsored research. Can you hear him? I can. Oh, he does? I can. I can hear him. Yep. Speak up, sir.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah. This is, he's like 30 miles from here, aren't you? 22,
0: 22.
1: Okay. Two so ways. You got to speak up. Okay. <laughs> but okay. Uh, so
0: Stefan, let me, let me ask you a couple of questions if you don't mind. Um, so sure. I've spent, spent a lot of time working with tech transfer offices in academia um, for, for years, probably about 15 years now. And uh, I love it. I think one of the measuring sticks that they all measure each other with is um, the number of invention disclosures you get each year from from uh, some of the faculty and staff and students and, and whatnot. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the, the volume of, of innovation that goes through the, that engine of yours?
2: so we have a high volume office um typically have over 500 inventions. It so it's a
0: year yeah uh, that's quite a bit that's up there with mit right so um i think they're somewhere around there
2: Up there with mit and stanford that's great oh, that
1: be, to be fair though uh proportionally um they What's the number of faculty or, or I'm sorry, faculty and grad students? What's your purview? Faculty, grad students, and undergrad, or just faculty and grad students?
2: Uh, A number that's looked at is research expenditures. I mean, you mentioned disclosures you get per research dollars. Spent. Okay, and, and what's the comparison between? Michigan MIT? is about 1.7 billion. No. Really? Yeah. And what's MIT? I would have to look up MIT's
1: number. Yes. It never held, never held me back. Do you think it's about the same, or is it a fraction? You had an MIT alum, so. Uh, we'll just assume it's a tenth of that. How's that? No, it's going to be up there. It's mm-hmm. up there. Yeah, it's okay there. Right. Oh, it's so, up there. I
2: mean, MIT is. I don't have a number in front
0: of. So where were you before? Yeah, no so- worries. So the question, the question, I guess, is, um, you know, if MIT is a gold standard of some sort in that tech transfer space, they they would um, commercialize or start essentially, you know, around a dozen and a half, eighteen or so businesses out of those 500 invention disclosures a year, right? How do you measure against that uh, that stat, and is is that an accurate measurement of of how well a tech transfer program's doing.
1: He's he's under the gun here. He didn't realize. <laughs> that we were I'm very sorry. I didn't feel <laughs> <get laughs> bad.
0: Badly. We <laughs> Stefan for any okay, of these questions, but fair. That's why we're blabbing. And take a guess. It's a blab. We're blabbing. This is like a. So we had a
2: record number in our last fiscal year of 582 uh, disclosures, which is
1: right. that's that's substantial. So
2: our record and. uh it's a pretty high number. How
1: many of those will you? Hey, I know this t- this podcast is supposedly about innovation. So how do you measure them on innovation? And I don't mean scientific innovation because they could be non-scientific, they or non-engineering innovation. It could be just a radically interesting idea for a business that's licensable. How do you measure that stuff? Not you, but how does the how does the tech licensing office at U of M do that?
2: So the key numbers, a couple of key numbers we look at, it is invention disclosures and number of startups. You, number of startups that come out of you or that license For your technology? Per,
0: per year. No, no, per, per year. What does that generate in terms of economic development? The last right?
2: so year we had 25. Our record has been 32. So we're up there with MIT and Stanford and the like. Yeah, you
1: are. Yeah, you are. That's impressive well, what do you So I'm behind here. So I get the I get the disclosures, the information of the uh, no sorry. I get the notion of invention disclosures, which yep. from my perspective are there will be a university form or at least a proposed format of a write-up that a grad student or a professor or anyone else who's covered by the policy <laughs> will submit in hopes of having the university fund the obtaining of protection, probably patent protection, it may be to fund more than that and hopefully to help them hook up with a business. Is that yep. a fair thought? So but what is when you say startup, do you only count startups that come from professors or or grad students? Or do you also count startups as um, say Jeff and I once we realize this podcast is going to fail, decide we want a license and it actually has failed. Uh, but we want to license technology from, we want to do startup. We want to license your technology. Does that count as a startup if we're us outsiders, license your stuff?
2: If a startup licenses a technology from Michigan and the startup is based on this technology, it's not just license 100 technologies and one of them happens to be from Michigan, uh, then we probably wouldn't count you. But if it's like a core technology yeah. of your startup,
0: we count you. So, so, you think, Davis, you don't count, but it, possibly if if it was based right. on a Michigan, right, technology. right. Or
1: if we start, if we started a um, if you and I started a uh, business of uh, a patent troll business, if you know what that is, right, mm, where you basically that. collect sure. a bunch of patents in a space like uh, Wi-Fi or whatever and sue people, that wouldn't count. But if we base it on your technology, it would. Okay. Now- uh, let, let's wait a second. What do you mean based on our technologies?
2: Uh, we would not license to you if you just want to sue others.
0: Uh, we would not no, license to you. Oh, Definitely what's
1: not. Wrong with that? Okay,
0: that's interesting. <laughs> Pre- predatory behavior will get you nowhere, David. But I mean,
2: um, if, if somebody is infringing our patents, we would look into into suing ourselves. I mean, we would we would not need an intermediary to do that.
1: I was going to ask a question, but you ask first because I know what my next one is.
0: So, um, so if there's, I mean, that that's impressive. I appreciate you sharing your record there. Um, you know, 32 out of 500. It, that that seems to be the gold standard. And my question is, is that is that low? I mean, do we feel like we're getting the most out of those 500 invention disclosures if the gold standard is 32 companies out of that fit 500? Or um, would it make sense to aim?
1: Yeah,
0: are it, you it, passing? Are you passing judgment? On no, 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 no. I've just I've been curious about this for years, you know, for the last 10 10, 15 years since working with these large tech transfer offices, um, because there's such a such a diligence in getting that number up to, hey, we have over 500, but yeah. wouldn't it be better if we had maybe say, you know, 200 and and we got 50 companies out of it and we spent more resources on less disclosures
1: i it, totally agree know, that goes i'll argue jeff that goes to the question of how do you measure innovation and how are you are you passive do you are you guys passive which is no, you this, or do, I you guess do you my, you yeah. yeah i guess my
0: my point is um my point is that you know there's there's a finite amount of resources that a university can invest in these activities right whether it's staffing or, or funding or or you know endowments and everything else but um not everybody's going to win the race, is my point, point. and not every invention disclosure is gold. And I also understand that it is a sensitive topic because it is attached to tenure and it's attached to you know PhDs and it's attached to the accolades of the of the university. Um, but wouldn't it make sense to do do more with less disclosures and and get further for the for the dozen or so that you really want? to get out there into the world and dedicate resources to a smaller bunch of them.
1: That is a great question. What's your answer, sir?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the underlying assumption here is if we put more resources into starting startups, we would have more startups. Yes. Uh, what is that assumption based on? I mean, guess what we're... kind of resources are you talking about? Like
0: well, we, well, need well, for our
2: ex- office, I mean, yeah.
0: For example, I um, mean, so, our
2: office is top staffed, t- top resourced. If we had more people in our office, we would well, not maybe, have more but, startups. Well, we, but we doesn't it now have
1: an investment arm? Um, well, hold on, hold on, Can hold on, invest on. But, in startups. But isn't sure. it a question of going? Jeff's question is a good one. Isn't it? it isn't it a question of Ouija boards? You know, Ouija boards? You know what Ouija boards are? You know, I know. Our Ouija board as a kid when we were kids, there was a board and you'd put your hands on it and somebody would ask you a question and like a like a diviner's um rod for water, it would find the answer. It's David it's went a way to
0: of- a preschool for the occult, um, so you know, we have to we have to excuse him, his traditions as a child were different than ours, but um, <laughs> David dabbles in some dark stuff apparently, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good question, which is he, you, me, you guys, don't
1: you guys, Jeff, where Jeff was going is. The numbers sound good, but couldn't they be better? And and or the flip side of that is, how do you decide what ones to put resource into? Right? Wouldn't that be the flip side? Of yeah, I guess you that's my point. Put resource into.
0: Is that you, you? You don't want to divide it evenly among the five hundred. But how yeah. do you pick win, How do you pick winners? Right? And how I do you take, you take and make sure the winners make it? Further? The innovators. The innovators, right. Right. right? right. 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 We got him.
1: He's broken. No. It depends on how do you define a winner. Well, the winner we we don't know in the end that they're a winner, but we know that if they were the hey well football analogy, I think the starting quarterback for today ought to be X. We won the game. That was a winner, a winner of a winner of the game, and my choice was a winner, my selection. So you guys, how do you decide who the winners are going to likely be?
0: Yeah, and I'm not just talking about unicorns, right? We could we could say, hey, if they become a unicorn, they're a winner, great. It's their billion dollar valuation, whatever. But I guess my 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 point is, um, you know, there's certain criteria that we we look at when we talk about these startup companies, the invention disclosures, other ways, right? Does it solve an unmet need? Is it is it in a relevant area that we can dedicate resources to as a university? Uh, but I I would spend a lot of time with a patent attorney going into the MIT tech transfer office right and we would we would spend time with the with the pi's and we would kind of vet their ideas we'd help them with a little market information or maybe a little bit about the patent landscape in that space and we would help vet those for the tech transfer office so they could say do we want to spend resources on this or do we not no, no,
1: no, no. Okay, that is, yeah, I agree, you could do that. But the flip side is, someday we'll let him answer this question, right? But <laughs> yeah, he seems hesitant.
2: There's no easy answer to this. Yes, I but mean, no. uh, it's very early-stage technologies. Sure. What resources are we spending? Well, resources we are spending is, we file a patent on this, so that's a resource we spend on technologies.
1: But your time, don't you? See, Jeff, I'll, I'm going to sort of respond to you at the same time. yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask you a question, which is, sure, the patent side is great. And in, in some ways, the patent side is an insurance policy, which yep. is, yeah, we picked a winner. Yes, we found the right um, strategic partner or the right startup to get them off the ground. Yes, they were in the right market. Oh, boy. And by the way, we have patent coverage, which helps smooth the way or either to get where we are or we'll smooth the way for the business going forward. So I'll argue, yes, you should bring the patent attorneys in early in office. All that stuff is good. Uh, but that having been said, you want to talk to investors and strategic partners, and that ought to be what you're doing to figure out where the markets are. Yeah, that's what we are doing. Yeah. Yeah. How do you measure that?
2: I do that, and my colleagues in our venture team do that. Um, we have extensive network with investors.
1: Entrepreneurs, and is that mostly when
2: ultimately, need? in order for something to succeed, you need a technology, you need capital, but you also need a market, management talent, and a market, yeah. and a market. Yep. yep.
1: So is that yeah,
2: what so- is that what you do? Now, you need management talent, so it's just a lot of factors
1: come together. Is that what you do? Is your job? I see him working here. Uh, he's you- he's a, he's visiting uh, from uh, Ann Arbor. He's got space here in Cambridge or sure. um, in Boston. Forever. Um, but is your job and the your job of your colleagues to rifle through the 580 in, uh, invention disclosures and start guessing at winners and start making phone calls and start figuring out market sizes and start seeing if you can bring this together, all these factors, management, funding, strategic partners. Is that your job?
2: Yeah, that's part of our job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. David, do me a favor. If you could just get comfortable, maybe take your shoes off and put your feet up. Um, you look you look really uncomfortable. Oh.
1: there. Oh, yes. Oh, by the way, do you like my socks?
0: Beautiful. Beautiful socks. Oh. Thank, thank you for sharing.
1: Let me, this is about innovation. So I'm going to talk briefly about innovation in socks. We're losing you.
0: Are those smart wool? Are those smart wool socks? Well, no, I was going to say they're darn
1: tough. I do have some smart wools also.
0: Uh, I was going to say, I, I exclusively wear smart wool socks. I think I think they're the best, especially for I cold weather like that. this. Smart wool is pretty-
1: oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I will argue, and this is a non-technology innovation that needs to be discussed. Okay. These socks, this pair of socks, oh, you can see the both of them. Um, okay, clearly. This pair of socks is good for a lifetime. They will replace them if they wear out. Obviously, if my birds peck holes in them, they won't. But right. if they Without out by natural causes. I just send them back, and I get new socks. That to me is innovative.
2: How is that? How can they sustain that? Because every sock at some point wears out. I
0: yeah, know, especially my socks. My socks. But especially. you haven't seen that, Jeff. You haven't seen that. Ad I've I've heard of things like that. It sounds like you know, LL Bean has similar guarantees on their products, and but they stopped doing that because people were overusing that that uh, that that benefit, right? So, uh, but. REI, well, no, I have that too. Well, REI will actually—they don't have that anymore because oh, really?
2: people, what well, pe- people were just some people were abusing this. But that, oh, yeah. I was
1: going to say, how oh, do any- you
2: abuse this? Uh, well, you can wear things out and then bring it back. But my understanding is some people just went—they have sales where they sell used items. Ooh. So people <laughs> cheaply <laughs> bought old stuff and
1: then they brought it back.
0: Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. But but oh, uh
1: can I go on my interlude a little longer? How yeah yeah have, go ahead go ahead. I'm, I'm, that innovation I'm is that innovation? Do we call this innovation, or the fact that so many have already done it means it's not innovative? Because to me, no, I mean,
0: it's, it's it might just be marketing. It's it's brand building. It's it's there's a bunch of things. It is but I wouldn't say it's innovation. It's if it's not based on unless unless it's got if they're so happy with their technology and they're so. Um, determinant that it's it's going to withstand the test of time um, because of some you know, new materials or something like that. That's different. Uh, that's different. It's like, try to break our socks. We've got the strongest socks. But I mean, I wear through smart wools and then I buy more. I, I just I find they're more comfortable and I find the uh, the blends they have uh, don't make your feet sweaty. And they don't you know, there's there's technology built into these that I think other socks don't compete with.
1: I will try some of the lightweight ones, but let me, let me Stefan and I were talking about this earlier.
0: Yeah.
1: Going to the you're 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 touching on technology. You're mm-hmm. mentioning technology. And I, I and by the way, I do think technology must play play a piece of this, but um Donald Trump, and I'm no fan of oh, uh, definitely no fan, I'll argue he's kind of innovative. Yeah I'm sorry, but is it not? Is innovation always well, tech-
0: I I'd say he's retrovative. He's, he's bringing, he's bringing old things back that are, are uh, distasteful and, and out of, out of touch with the reality we live in, but they're effective in, in whatever he's doing. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, so call him innovative though. Why do
1: you say it's retrovative? I'm not even sure that's a word. Because,
0: because uh, I hate I'm to even use sure I hate to he, Yeah. I hate to use his name. Um, uh, but I, I'll tell you what, what I believe retrovate means. Um, but um, I think I think, and I'm not going to use his name. I, I'm not a big fan uh, by any means. But I think what he does is he's a student of history, and he, he learns what he does, and his behavior is not stupid. It's not by chance. It's historic because he watches what worked in history for other strong men and dictators, and um, you know, and their sycophants, and and he's just replicating what they did. Nothing about what he's doing is new. Um, he learned from you know cohn, his his mentors yeah, and and all his criminal uh, you know, uh, associates. but nothing nothing he's doing is new. it's It's all the same tricks
1: well, I'll, well, maybe that's true, but I'll argue even bringing old things back can be innovation. So and
0: that's what retrovation is. Retrovation is taking the old, and then it's adding a new element of technology or something to it to make it a new innovation. And so, uh, that's one of the methods that I've helped companies to use over the years is let's go back through all the expired patents. Let's find all yeah. the stuff that I don't have to I don't have to patent or protect and I can use that was done really well. And then I'm gonna add a flavor of a new technology or a new enablement to make it new and fresh and patentable.
1: Well, arguably that's sort of the standard for even technology innovation because most products are built with nuts and bolts that have been around since uh, Stefan's born at least. And that was a that's long right. time.
0: That's that's right, that's right. But uh, you, you don't you don't have to take that stuff on. You can jab right back. But um, with I would I would uh, I would argue that retrovation is instead of grabbing for everything novel and new and un- non obvious, it's um, it's taking and building a platform that is is based in twenty year technology twenty year old technology or, or later, right? Um, so we did a lot of that when I was at Nirac. Is find show me what's expired. And we're going to use that as the building blocks for, for I what's that.
1: I feel, and
0: Stefan weigh in here. Just elbow in with your
1: words. Um, <laughs> I think the focus on intellectual property and, and technology is skews or uh, skews um, the definition of innovation. Because I think... You could argue that Facebook and all these things I hate, but are real moneymakers and the, invent- the investors certainly would find them to be innovative. I think they're innovative in their own ways. I mean, it's mm. tempting from our, our businesses, all of our businesses, to focus on IP, but there's so much other innovation out there. Um, mm. what's, what's that pizza place down that everyone talks about down in um, New Haven? Pepe's? Pepe's?
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm not oh. a fan.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not either, but
2: you know, but yeah, that- yeah, I do believe that innovation is driven by technology, David. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are innovations in business models. Yeah, regularly there are new business models, but technology is a consistent driver of. But it also brings innovation, to- and not all. Technology is being patented. I mean, a lot of software is just not. And not patented. all of them. Facebook, all. but Facebook, you mentioned Facebook. Yeah, to a large degree, is like driven by
1: technology. Sure. The technology company. I know, but is the innovation, I mean, again, all of our businesses count on intellectual property, and we're all big fans of it. But innovation, there's got to be more than innovation in business models. There's, I guess the question is, what is innovation? Is it just and I, I thought these socks were innovative, and you guys are saying they're really not. Because or Jeff's saying they're really old school. That and either they're branded. It's, it's
2: lifetime a, it's warranty a, is an old thing, David. I mean,
0: <laughs> I yeah. don't see the innovation
2: in there either.
0: And to uh, to quote.
2: Unless Tommy it's Holmes, a new yeah. technology that makes this sock maker so confident that their socks never wear out.
1: So yeah. where does innovation play in the university or in a typical tech licensing office, whether it's University of Michigan or otherwise? Where does, is there any measure of innovation? Is there a checklist that you guys go through? To, you know, yes, there's a market. Yes, the market's bigger than X. Yes, the management team is good. And is there a checkbox that says, and this is innovative or no? Is that not really Ever fa- is that word even come up in your offices ever? I mean, we call disclosures
2: invention disclosures, so we do look for something that is inventive. Yeah, and those words probably are related. You think? So something that's novel and non-obvious to look uh, use patent language. Are
1: you just moving your mouth, or
0: is you, did you turn your mic off? Did I did I'm sorry. So I, I wanted to to mention real quick that I you know, last year I got um, acquainted with the MedTech Innovators Group, um, one of the largest accelerators slash incubators in the world. And they're set up virtually and they bring in judges from all over to kind of judge. And one of the things they ask us is, as we're looking at these companies and vetting them, is, um, you know, rate the opportunity on a scale of one to 10. It, it's not, you know, there's no objective criteria. It's just asking us to to tell is is this product of innovation and and then rate the innovation of the product is it a is it a me too is it incremental or is it transformational and i think when we talk about innovation classically or you know in in terms of technology we're looking for those transformational bits that can take something that's old and make it new or those transformational things that aren't necessarily just a step change but a different way of looking at a problem and solving it so you know, that's my definition of innovation is is coming at it from a different angle, um, some you know definite enablement with new technology or something that you say, wow, that's that's new, that's different. That's I I didn't I I can't believe I didn't think of that, but um, that's going to solve a lot of problems. And you know, it, it's it's also something that's transformational to our human experience, whether it's Um, something that's going to solve a big problem for us that we're all facing together, like climate change or, you know, uh, the amount of horse poop in the streets in New York, right? Um, You know, with the advent of cars, we were only uh, able to overcome it. They originally thought in the early 1900s, they said, well, if we keep growing our population like this, there's going to be poop in the streets so high from the horses around, we're not going to be able to walk, right? But eventually some innovation comes and saves them from that, collective doom um i think we. I, depend have heard, on, yeah. I heard that the dinosaurs would often talk about
1: that if they stayed around as long as they seem to be staying around the whole planet would be full of dinosaurs so i thought i'd just throw that in there you remember
0: that where, comment where where did you hear that um <laughs> I, I just i just saw the the flintstones we watched the 1994 adaptation of the flintstones the other day with john goodman shout out to john goodman that's it's a Emmy award-winning, uh, um, you know, deserving award, but uh, he never got recognition for that movie. By the way, but keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going with Goodman. So, so, so I think, you know, I think it's, it's, we, we depend on innovation. We look for innovation. We, we think it's going to save us, um, but it's that transformational characteristic that we're looking for. Go ahead, David. I
1: have a question for him. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Was Seinfeld innovative? You know, Seinfeld. The, the, yeah, of he, Yeah. Was that innovative? It's a
2: sitcom. They've been around, so I don't think that format was innovative. Well,
1: you tell me. I think I can reveal this detail about you. You tell me it's probably one of the few shows you watch, and it sounds like you watch it a lot. So how could you you dismiss it as a sitcom, and yet somehow, like the, were the Beatles innovative?
0: I think I think the innovative thing about Seinfeld was it was a show about nothing, right? It was it was it didn't need to have a theme or otherwise, but they they were trying to just make everyday life um you know into a sitcom and and uh you know in in that i think it was different but does that make it innovative i don't know
1: i think it was what do you think stefan you're you are like uh you are your job is to gauge and judge innovation and put the resources of a major university would you guys have invested if if seinfeld approached you now as a professor and said i've got an idea would you guys take that up
0: did you just rewrite stefan's job description
1: So if somebody
2: comes and says, well, I got an idea. I want to do a TV show about nothing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, it's been done. It's been done.
2: I I would say, yeah, that's been done by Jerry Seinfeld. But flashback to
1: 1984 or whenever that was, 1990. Would you guys, that to me sounds innovative. A show about nothing sounds innovative. And I guess I keep coming back to the same point that, I have two points here, which is innovation is not purely technology. And just because there's technology involved, it's not necessarily innovative. And another point I have is we don't really know innovation until we look back. You know, Facebook, I think, turned out to be innovative. I hate That's it, good. but it inside. I mean,
2: again, Facebook is a technology company, David. I mean, that is innovation driven by technologies. And the internet allowed a new business model. The business model is connect billions of people and advertised. But them. Seinfeld
1: is innovative.
2: Seinfeld, and there's no well, technology. A show about nothing. I mean, sitcoms have been around before Seinfeld, right?
1: I know, but his was
2: about and nothing. It was humor. Yeah, I mean, show about nothing. I don't know. I, I feel like since Seinfeld was such a big hit, you're using, yeah, it was very successful, so it must have been innovative. I think that is something you're using here now. You're using some sort of hindsight.
1: Yeah. In your job, in my, your job, all of our jobs are to try to predict what, in the end, will be, have, will have been determined to have been innovative.
2: I'm not in the job of. Well, this is a new show. Is that going to be a hit? I mean, I'm not in that business.
1: All well, but that is. So i mean, uh, It's by analogy. It's i by think analogy. in the
2: biomedical field. We do i p is in a big important thing in that as well as is there a market way in here, Jeff But again, I'm not I'm not somebody who's with the with n b c or the like who's like, yeah, is this going to be a successful show but
1: well, it was all by it's a by analogy this is just i'm just trying to I'm trying to push the boundaries of innovation I,
0: I would say I, that i I would say that innovation um is like um, hardcore pornography in that uh, I think it was Justice Potter Stewart who said you know I I I can't define it but I know it when I see it and that's uh, that's kind of what innovation is right it's not this it's not this predetermined objective criteria that says this is innovation um, but when you see it you're like oh that's pretty innovative uh, you know I, I think that's different and, and no I haven't seen anything like that before
1: would you then say Seinfeld going when when you you're a font of all knowledge? Um, when did Seinfeld come out? Or maybe
0: that's something Stefan knows. Oh, I, if I had yeah. to guess, I'd say '92, but I don't I don't know exactly yeah. when. All
1: right? I don't know actually.
2: Okay, before but, I came to the U.S., so I don't even know. I don't have enough data to say
1: whether it's truly innovative. Okay, well I will argue that. Oh, so I was going to ask you a question based on that definition because I kind of liked it. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, is would Seinfeld count as innovative under that
0: standard? Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it, it, it's a classic case for that, I think, um, because it was it was a disruptor. Right. It, it it just the fact that it threw sitcoms into a whole new category and made, you know, everyday nonsense funny. Um, But his his perspective, I think, made it innovative. Uh, it was 1989, by the way. So 1989. um, seems like yesterday but but not really um but it, it was at the time it was pretty innovative and i think
1: How about speaking of yesterday were the beatles innovative
0: yeah absolutely um but they made were innovative again in a retrovative kind of way they they borrowed and and used you know rhythm and blues and some of the older styles to bring uh rock and roll to its kind of the audience right um that they didn't have access to before that um and whether it was their you know following of popular culture and and you know different different pharmaceuticals and things they used along the way in the path but they they brought something different to the scene i think than anybody in america had had ventured into before
1: i think what they brought to the scene was was uh you're right they add they added on to what existed but i think they brought more harmony to the scene and more complex harmonies and once they caught on they were able to drag it further whether it was through uh pharmaceuticals or otherwise but i think they grabbed people because if you listen to those early albums they really sound so 1959-ish oh yeah absolutely um, but then yeah. but there was a little more music in them then they they're a little more sort of earwigs what do you call the thing earwigs or earworms or whatever they're called earwigs um, yeah, they would catch your ear and it's like, hey, this is something we haven't heard and then they dragged us along for what turned out to be a great ride.
0: Yeah, uh, that, that's that's fair. I, I like the Beatles reference. I, I think that um, you know, the live at the BBC stuff is just as fun to listen to as Sgt. Pepper and, and other stuff, but um, you know, these were these were twelve-hour sessions, recording on, you know, on on methamphetamines for for hours to to stay conscious in a club while they played in in German. Also a, a Hamburg uh, reference there. But um, you know, did I don't think the Beatles would have been the Beatles. Did you
1: ever see the Beatles in German?
0: It's before my time, David. Oh, yeah. uh, not the young. <laughs>
2: uh, I've been to Hamburg. I grew up in that area, and I've been to a bar. Where supposedly oh, where really? the Beatles were playing before my time. Yeah.
1: So just before we get off the, the the Beatles, um, because I've been thinking about them lately. I don't know why. Maybe that was that new mm-hmm. release that came out of what a few months ago. But um, and I started. Oh, I know. I have um something. You know, you know what Kobuz is? You know Kobuz? It's like Apple Music, but it's a different company. It's okay. U-O-B-U-Z. It's just they have better. I think they have better fidelity on their... Good.
0: These are our new uh, new sponsors.
1: Uh, I'm hoping to get them as one, but if they have any sense, they've already uh, shut it, shut down that idea. But <laughs> I was listening to a bunch of uh, one of their Beatles collections. And not only were I think they innovated at the time, sort of in the 64, 65, but I think they continued to innovate. And when you look, when you listen to, because it's funny, I watch my kids' reactions when they, when old music is, what I call old music, sort of 60s and 70s and 80s music is playing. Sure. You begin to realize that the Beatles changed so much from year to year or from album to album. And then you listen to something like, remember Electric Light Orchestra or some, maybe that's a bad example. There's a lot of groups that sound very much the same. They had a sound. And while the sound might have been innovative the year it came out, often it wasn't. It didn't really seem to change,
0: yeah. no, and that that's fair. I mean, I, I I think the Beatles innovated with, again, with the pharmaceutical of choice that they were introduced to that day, whether it was smoking pot with Bob Dylan or getting slipped LSD by their dentist. I mean, they were they were changing and adapting and and, you know, evolving as a group together through their common experiences. And then also, directing but participating in pop culture of the time um as a result and, and when you talk about innovation in the beatles you also have to mention that they just came out in 2023 with a new single have you heard their new song
1: that was my reference of a few months ago yes of course yeah 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 so I, uh, oh. it came up well the- so, oh, so hey, they,
0: yeah. yeah so back in the day you know um when all all uh, or the three remaining Beatles were alive before George passed, um, they had found some recordings. Yoko had sent um, George and Ringo and Paul some recordings of, of John um, just messing around um, with their kids. They were very isolated at the time. And so he would kind of create these, you know, these tunes and he would record them. And they had a couple lines of John, but it didn't really go anywhere. And the Beatles came out uh, in the earlier 2000s and released their anthology and they had a couple new songs real love and um like uh free as a bird and those were also recordings of john's voices that they had gotten together collaborated on uh anyway uh, this was one that they never quite finished but they knew they wanted to address it and recently they got back together ringo and and paul and said hey we should finish that project so they revived it they used some of george's guitar they used um uh, john's voice and and Paul's kind of style of of uh, orchestrating and uh, Ringo on the drums and and produced the the final Beatles song. And uh, okay. it's worth listening up, to.
1: And they were able to grab a few lines of they had John's bat, they used. Uh, who was the uh, who was the motion picture the Avatar guy? Who's the Avatar guy? Oh, uh, Cameron? No. Was it Cameron? They used one of those guys ai technology to Mm -hmm. help separate out john's voice from street noise or whatever it was
0: yeah Yeah, it sounds good the recording is good i just i'm not a big fan of the long i mean it's like a it's a long song and it repeats one phrase over and over and over again so i i would have preferred it was something short like a ditty like her majesty where it's a short song where we can say goodbye to john and and but it doesn't need to be a huge production right it's 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 one line it doesn't need to be over and over and over again so I would have liked that to be a minute or so, but I do think it's it's amazing that what they can do with artists these days. And I think the innovation in that space now is that you can also fill in the gaps. You can make you can make a brand new song and make it sound like John, and it has nothing to do with John or anything he's ever recorded.
1: Um are you now regretting that you participated in this? <laughs> no, I I'm learning something. Well, tell us what the University of Michigan I see, okay. So we we're dragging but going back to innovation. <laughs> I think what we're getting to is that innovation exists in a bunch of places. At least I right. would agree with that. In a bunch of areas. It's not I always I agree with that. It's not always technology, though that can help. I'll argue that what what Jeff calls retrovation is really just a label that you can pull up. Everything is retrovated to the extent that it rewraps something old. Often it adds something new and most things do add something new, whether it's a marketing touch or a Donald Trump touch, whatever that is. Um but innovation is much more than just what the three of us do for our livings, um, and I think that since this is sort of business-oriented podcast, it's a little. We all base our businesses on either trying to help people protect, or develop, or capitalize on our best. That something that years from now will turn out to be innovative, that will actually succeed.
0: How's that? It's I a just good, that's part a good, good way of wrapping things up. Did we run out of time already? No, not at all. It's it's 1.50. I think we've got another 10 minutes, but um, I'm going to throw another kind of grenade into the conversation of um, innovators. So individuals that we look to as a society that says, you know, this person is an innovator and we should look for their next idea or they've got some kind of formula for success that we should all look up to. Um, so I think you know whose name I'm going to mention now. But um, yeah, of course, of course. And um, one of the things that I was reading recently and, and kind of thinking about a, as well, uh, an extended frame, is is these individuals somehow get this um, exceptional, um, they're an exceptional exception to society in that once we determine that they are not necessarily good or bad, but mostly good, that we give them a pass on all the terrible things that they do.
1: Well, hold on. That's Stephen Jobs. Steve Jobs
0: was this a whole whole bunch of people. I mean, um, um, Steve um, Welch from GE or, um, you know, any any of these captains of industry that that are helping us move innovation along and helping us innovate. Look at look at Rickover, for God's sakes, and the nuclear industry or or the, you know, the uh, the nuclear triad. Um, He helped our entire country. Uh, to become a world superpower with the invention of the n- nuclear submarine. But he was a, a a son of a bitch if you had to deal with him as an individual. But well, his way of innovating –
1: those, diff- those are always different questions. Um, right. and, and I'll argue the Beatles uh, – going back to the Beatles, I'll argue that once they establish themselves as a premier group – and it's not just the Beatles, it's almost anybody. What, What's-her-face? Uh, Taylor Swift. Once they establish themselves as innovative – then we cut them slack on all the
0: things they do that aren't that interesting. That's right. So well, me, not just not, not just that that interesting but could be detrimental to us as well. Right, let me go back to the
1: University of Michigan because Stefan is wandering on us. Do, do, <laughs> can you admit just listening and learning? Can you either admit or let on. May, let's let's, not make it, let's make this about technology licensing offices. We're not talking about the University of Michigan. Okay, we're definitely not talking about that, so you will not get fired, at least for answering this question. <laughs> Let's talk about technology licensing offices in general. Do they sometimes see the Stephen Jobs or Elon Musk of their, um, within their jurisdiction of their university and say, oh, here comes so-and-so again. This is going to be awful. Or these are always losers, that so they look attractive initially. Or, this person always produces winners or often, so let's go with it. Do you guys Could you know? Go wrong? Wrong. Yeah.
2: This is- so I work with innovators, so Michigan faculty typically. Um, I look at their technologies and I also look at them. Some are just good, coming up with new stuff for which there is a the market. Some faculty, even though they're academics, have a very good sense of uh, markets and commercial oh so possibilities. You, you will factor that in. Others don't. So yep. innovators in an academic setting come, come in a broad range. Okay. So some are just some faculty it's just to some degree it's just they run a business manage people they bring in money they churn out publications and they produce innovation and some of some innovation is can be commercialized and some faculty are just good and we have a lot of faculty uh,
1: co-founders are there innovators who are the answer must be yes are there innovators who are great if the basic sciences who, who run labs and bring in money for those labs but you know they can what is it uh, chew gum and walk at the same time when it comes to commercialization and therefore they may be great innovators and they may run labs and bring in millions of dollars or hundreds of millions or whatever they want to bring in but you guys when you look at when you look at their stuff it's like oh, so and so's back jeff is back again not him is that is that ever the case?
2: So some faculty they're not interested in commercialization. They are like they view themselves in the business of creating new knowledge. They innovate, but they're not interested in the commercial aspects of innovation. They're basic science. They want to advance basic science. So and that's okay. The University of Michigan is about research and about education, and in addition. There are technologies that can be commercialized and that I have helps a... helps solve problems, but it's not like we're not a company that is in the business of commercializing innovation. Sure, Jeff, I know right. my next question, so go ahead.
0: I love David's questions because he asked the question in a way that it's, it's yes or no, but uh, the question is 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 uh, a co- a couple paragraphs but here's here's the <laughs> here's the um i guess you know the other thing i'm i'm curious about is you know if if people create innovation that is so helpful and so um transformational that it's going to affect society in a way that is 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 too big um that the government sometimes steps in and says, oh no, we're we're gonna keep that for us. That that's ours. Um you ever run up against something, Stefan, that, that's so transformational that it that it makes the blacklist and um it just can't see the light of day because of its implications.
1: This would your answer to this might be one of those where we always joke and say, I could answer that, but I'd have to kill you after I did it.
0: <laughs> that's right it's it's sometimes uh, it with his,
2: the, uh, in this position for seven years and i've not come across
1: something that's like that interesting black okay. so, that's,
0: so that's the fair. question that's i was
1: fair. dying to ask and i'll try to make it less than three paragraphs is this <laughs> how much money does your department bring into the university in comparison to the amount of grant money that comes in through federal government and other Quasi federal, quasi grant, and other grant offering organizations. You follow the question? It goes. To, it goes So to
2: you, you're looking at well, how much money does the University of Michigan bring in in grants? And uh, well, I'm trying to figure out what's How the much point? does do we bring in? How much is I under- feel like it's not the right way to view this. Uh, we provide a service to faculty that's our focus um it's not like the nih is giving money to the university of michigan and it's it's to advance basic science no
1: that's my point which is
2: so it's not like okay what is the return on investment so
1: but no no i no, like where i'm going is is in a tax off an answer of yours which is I think you guys are a service organization, and I suspect in the end you bring in a fraction of what is fundamentally a research institution, isn't it? Yeah, we are a public research institution. Yes. So the fact that you guys, if if your department makes a dollar more than your salaries and your expenses, it's a win of some sort. It is, and we bring in significant money to. The university
2: to further fuel research, also our innovators uh, get a share of what is
0: generated. Thoughts, Jeff? No, I think I think uh, that's a good way of looking at it, right? As a as a resource for the faculty, right? All of these inventors and and professors and teachers and tenured you know staff are are um, they benefit from that that service as a as a resource from the school. Um, and they might not be experts at it. So having individuals that can help walk them through that process and, and acquaint them with the ins and outs of commercializing a technology, I think is really important. Um, and I think we uh, need to do more of that. I mean,
2: uh, Michigan owns the IP.
0: Of course, of course.
2: I want to stress as we are closing our discussion, I want, want us to keep in mind that innovation also is solving problems.
0: Yeah. yep. And, I think that's. Uh,
2: we at Michigan focus on helping our technologies make an impact. So I would like us to close
1: with that thought. He we wants had- us to clip that out and send it to his boss, or yeah. right, his boss's boss. His boss. His boss, boss.
0: That's I think not- I think you nailed it, uh, Stefan. We appreciate you being here with us. But but yeah, innovation at the end of the day has to solve an unmet need, it has to solve a problem, um, number one. And I think the big word for this year that I've heard so many times it's right here in front of me as well, impact, right? we We have to have an impact on society. Otherwise, why are we doing this? Why are we spending time and resources doing this? So solve a need and have an impact. Um thank you for for summarizing that.
1: i actually, my final word is, I think you guys are being far too narrow on that. I don't think it needs to be an unmet need. I think it just needs to be something different that the market takes up for whatever reason.
0: But, touche. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Stefan. Nice to meet you. Safe travels. Uh